0: Hi again, everybody. It's me, Jr. Man. Welcome to your Life's Worth podcast. How you doing? You good? It's 20 degrees and three inches of snow in Northeast Ohio. On this taping, I thought I'd enlighten you on the weather forecast. In San Diego, it's 70. I heard from somebody today. Thank you very much. Uh, in the next five weeks on the big show, I'm going to talk about marriage. And there is a very specific reason why I want to do five weeks. It is not because I want to teach you five things to make your marriage happy and perfect. That is absolutely nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. And for the record, uh, Die My Wife of 26 Years will also be joining on the podcast a couple times as we do this over the next five weeks because it obviously would be dumb as hell for me to just monologue about my own marriage (laughs) or even your marriage for that record. Um, I did a podcast uh, a few months ago about expectation and I heard... Uh, from a lot of couples that wanted to go through, uh, with me, um, expectations. They wanted to really get the, cause I call, I call expectations silent killers, uh, for those, uh, who are just joining us, <laughs> Uh, Part of my whole, uh, you know, deal in transformation is that expectations need to be out loud because so often we just think everybody is thinking what we're thinking or thinking how we're feeling or feeling how we're thinking. And uh, that's just not so. And all those expectations need to be out loud. There are some common ground expectations, you know, um, and then there's some expectations that are just crazy, (laughs) And that all needs to be talked about. But anyways, that's how this podcast got started because I I was working with so many couples that just wanted to do this uh, this this thing that I do with couples uh, on releasing the expectations one to another and helping smooth over like what is really desired, wanted, and needed in the marriage. So I came up with five weeks and I put five weeks together um, that I think are going to be uh, you know you know pretty good. And what here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about being on the same page, in fear. Next five weeks, we're going to be talking about learning to love, learning to be married, opposition and oppression in the marriage. We're going to talk about expectations. We're going to talk about walking away from the marriage, and I don't mean divorce, and I don't just mean infidelity. I mean addictions or hobbies or kids or ways in which you t- you start to splinter or, or put a fork in the road with the marriage. Any ways we walk away from the idea of of unified marriage, we're gonna talk about kids. We're talking about faith, and we're gonna talk about the biggest one that your marriage has to ingest, or else you're screwed right there. There's your spiritual direction quote of the day: forgiveness. You're screwed if you don't if you don't uh, land on a little forgiveness landing pad. Um, so that's how this kind of uh, next five weeks is gonna roll out. So if you're married, or you're thinking about getting married, uh, come home, bring it. And, and we'll do that. And if you have any questions along the way, you can email me, jr at jrman.com. If you're married or if you're getting married uh, and you just, you just want to pop a question. And, and again, if you want to pop a question anonymously, we'll read it anonymously, obviously. No worries about that. If you want to bitch, moan, and complain about your spouse, um, you can do that too, but we'll do that offline. So... I'm not doing the next five weeks, like I say, as a way to perfect marriage. I could give a shit about perfecting your marriage. I could give a crap about, like, if you're looking for, like, a 1 to 10 in a happiness gauge of marriage, and I want a 10, that's not what I'm doing this either. I'm doing this thing, like I do with most things, to take the burden and the stress and the pressure off of being perfect. We are fed a lot of lies, in this wonderful culture of ours here in America. And one of those lies is that your marriage needs to be perfect. It needs to look perfect, sound perfect, act perfect. You need to have sex a certain amount of time a week. I mean, you would not believe the the absolute bullshit that is fed into our young people just about how much sex you should be having as a married couple. <laughs> it's just incredible. And how much stress and pressure that puts on Uh, spouses and then how much it's not talked about because if we talk about it that makes us weak or stupid or dumb or not the right kind of married people that we should be so the lie of marriage should be perfect your marriage should be perfect uh we're we're gonna burn that to the ground and i'm gonna say the next five weeks we just want to take the burden off of being perfect in a marriage and what we're looking for is healthy marriage and healthy marriage for the record looks like the two of you at times bitch moaning and complaining about one another (laughs) Right, and also loving one another, which is probably the biggest premise. So that's why that's why I want to do this. Um, I want to deal today with the with a couple foundations. One is being on the same page or same paging, and and fear, which for me. These two things that I'm going to talk about, just as we lay a, a just a quick foundation, would be a couple of the blocks that I would I would just put down real quickly. And again, for my marriage in 26 years, these definitely have aided as big, huge construction pieces that we build this house on. Um so let let's deal with same paging first. So when I talk about marriages being on the same page, and I've got a I've got just a kind of a lime item list of of, of of stuff that I just want to inject into your marriage right now. One is I want you to talk until you drop. Like if you're concerned that you're not on the same page as your spouse or there's differences or oppositional understanding between you and your your better half. I want you to I want you to get into the understanding you got to talk to you drop. Now talking to you drop doesn't mean you're exhausted talking or you're exhausted listening to the talking. Talking means that there's nothing that's on the table, okay, that's off limits to talk about, right? And, and that list can run huge, whether that's, again, whether that's super, could be super uncomfortable stuff like talking about sex, for example, or, or money can be equally as frustrating and uncomfortable to talk about, even as sex, right? Because money holds such a, an idea of enoughness, Right. If we don't have enough money, if we don't save enough, if we don't use it correctly, we suck. Um, it can have the same kind of power and juice as sex. So, talk to you drop. Those are just two, two, two examples. Getting on the same page means identifying the most oppositional movements, and we're also going to talk. We're also going to talk about joyful moments too. So, but I just we're just we're throwing out the good quickies real quick. Getting on the same page in your marriage means identifying the most oppositional movements in the marriage. What are the subjects where you're oppositional? Who are the people where you are oppositional? What are the places that can drive marriage into argument or opposition? So if we take those one at a time, subjects, right? Money, real quick. One, sex can be certainly be oppositional. Maybe the dude wants it more than the woman. Maybe the woman, uh, you know, shies away from doing one thing to the other, and maybe the man, same same thing. Or maybe it's a, you know, again, maybe it's an infrequency thing. You know, that's that's an opposition. But again, I'm, just, I'm using that as a big thing because obviously couples have sex. Um, money, like I said before. People, people, family, huge. In-laws, big, right? In-laws are big. They, these things can create opposition, but I want you to identify the opposition. I'm not looking to solve these things for the record. I'm not looking to solve the problems. I'm looking for you guys to identify problem moments. And then we're going to get into the finesse of solving them a little bit later. But for today's exercise, it's just like you looking at your good people across the table, your, your, your husband and your wife, and just identifying oppositional moments. How about places that drive opposition? What? There's places that can drive up? Op- yes, there's places that can drive opposition. Do you spend too much time X? I don't know, working? <laughs> right? Do you spend too much time at your desk pounding on the computer? Do you spend too much time... At the bowling alley. I'm just using that. I don't know. Do people still bowl? I think that's a thing. Do you spend too much time on the golf course? Do you spend too much time commuting? (laughs) I mean, where are the places that create opposition that hit the marriage? When, when time, right? When do you get into opposition? When does the argument start? and is this argument or opposition a routined position in the marriage in other words are you always arguing on saturday morning when you're finally together at the end of the week are do you do you argue uh, you know about picking up the kids about the same time every day do you argue about picking up the kids at the same time every day is the opposition routine does the routine of opposition fit you like a gerbil wheel we're always arguing about x and we always do it there again We're looking to build and throw open consciousness at this point to completely be aware of the known quantity between you and your spouse, and then talk about it and understand that it's there. The more you two are in understanding of these oppositional moments and routines, the more you guys are going to be on the same page. And again, we haven't even gotten into the finesse about how to fix it, but we will. We will. Um, How does the the opposition or the arguments usually end? How How does opposition or argument usually end with you? With you two? What's happening there? Does it end, you know, you two blow up and one goes out the door and then the other one's left crying, holding the pillow over their head? Does, what happens at the end of that? And is there ever a resolution? Is there ever resolution? Do you ever come back to the table when it's over, when there's a peaceful moment and go, hey, can we talk about it? Okay? Again, we're not, we're not doing the finesse of fixing that. I just want to know, do the two of you know how it ends? Are you physically talking about how it usually ends? Hey, when we usually fight, it looks like this. When Di and I, and this is, and again, she'll, she she'll you, you can call her. In fact, maybe I should have her in here now. But when Di and I usually end an argument or, or any kind of opposition, we usually circle back in less emotional times. We usually circle back. But when we do end, it's usually kind of period, end of the sentence. I go to my corner, she goes to hers. And then we usually end up circling back. And and, and, and again, the time that we usually end up circling back on has become has become fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer, less and less and less and less over the course of time. It used to be maybe a ticket a day for us to get back together, right? Now it's like a matter of minutes before we kind of turn to each other and go, Hey, I'm sorry I was an asshole. I apologize. But how does it end? That's where I'm looking for you all to get that. Do you come back to the table in less emotional moments, like I said earlier? And that's the big one. Do you come... Like, I want you guys to look at each other and go, do we come back at the table and then talk about how we fought about buying that thing? Do we come back to the table after we went at each other 10 rounds about how to discipline our kids? Do we come back to the table when we're less emotional and not able to look at each other and hate on each other? Do we come back? So, I want there to be opposition talk, right? Argument talk. When do we do it? How do we do it? Is it routine? What is it about people, place, and thing? Now, I also want us to do the like together thing. What do we like together? What is non-oppositional liking? What is that, right? And how do you sponsor the what you like to do or like to be together in? And when I mean sponsor, it's like, how do you make that life or fruitful or engaging or happening in your life? Again, a quantity of knowing. Di and I, and I know this is crazy, ready? Di and I like to get in the car and go stalk architecture and and houses and buildings and neighborhoods. And this started way, way back in the day when we first uh, got together and we lived in Minneapolis for a while. And we always, and again, we... When we first got to Minneapolis, I was working for the NBC there, and Di joined me. She didn't have a job, and I had a job, didn't pay too much money, and we lived in an apartment. And so we dreamed like crazy, but we always dreamed together. And when we dreamed together, we loved it. And we'd jump in the car, and we'd drive to different neighborhoods, and we'd go, oh, I love that house. And as we park out front, and just, oh, man, I like how that light looks or how that window is. or see that front door? Do you see that garage in the back? But it was never simply about... Like saving money for the house or just simply we're going to buy that type of house in this neighborhood. It was about dreaming together. And so over the course of our 26 years, we realized that we love to dream together. We love to just like set in motion the, the dream of being in place with one another in their heart, physical value, whatever it is. But we just like doing that together. And sometimes we'll do it together at dinner when we talk about, hey, wouldn't it be great to live here? Wouldn't it be, Remember when we went there? But we like to dream together. And so we keep that very much alive by making sure that we have time to be together, to dream together, whether that's driving around or whether that's sitting face-to-face and staring at each other and talking about um, dreams for the future. Now, it's not that we haven't, pursued our dreams and made them come true because a lot, a lot of the pursuing we've done together and we've done, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to think we've done a damn good job at taking risks, but we love to dream together. So how do I sponsor that? We sponsor that by just simply making that time. Do you talk as much about the liking as opposition? In other words, are you moving in your marriage centrally with the opposition between the two of you or the liking of what's happening between the two of you? Again, easy words to understand, right? All these things I want you to volley in conversation between the two of you tonight. So when you get done with this podcast, <laughs> go talk to your spouse. Okay. Um, all right, 14 minutes in. Okay, so fear. Let's move into fear. Real quick recap on same-paging. Talking to you. drop. Where are you most oppositional? What are the subjects, people, places, and things? When you hit the opposition, when is it? Is it routine? right? Do you talk about the opposition when the opposition's over? Do you come back to the table peacefully, right? What do you guys like to do together? What is the liking between the two of you? What's that essence flow and energy? How do you sponsor that liking, right? And then what gets more? Does the opposition get more energy or does the liking get more energy? But talk, talk, talk. That's that first one. The oppositional understanding, talk, talk, talk. All right, fear. I want to get into fear real quick and then we're going to close this sucker out and move on to week two. Um here's here's a big one. Again, foundational stone. Foundational stone for for marriages that are that have a healthy soil to them. I'm not talking about perfect marriages again. I could care about your perfect marriage for the record. I want your healthy marriage. I want good breathing, vibrant, touchable health. All right. Do you share your fears? Right now, I want you to think about your big fears. Now. When I'm talking about these fears, yes, you can start, I'm afraid of the dark. But what I'm really talking about is fears about the marriage or fears about the future or fears about raising kids or fears about the about the money or fears about the sex changing or fears about, you know, is my husband liking that chick over there or fears about, um, you know, his addiction, her addiction what are the big fears going on? And are you allowing those fears in conversation? Because I'm going to tell you right now, one of the biggest foes to, the, to, the, to the, the kind of dissolving of marriages is that you're not doing that one thing, which is sharing the fears across the table to one another. Because there's no better way to open up your spouse's heart than to allow them into yours. And the way you do that is by opening up some of these fears. And there's a billion other ways to open, get people into your heart for the record. I'm just, I'm giving you a foundational stone because I know there's going to be somebody out there that's already written a book about marriage. It's like, well, I've got 10 more things. Great, fantastic. Foundation stones. Remember, foundation stones, healthy. Open up, share your fears. You are looking for intentional conversations at uncomfortable times. I'll say it again. You're looking for intentional conversations at uncomfortable times. So when you reach an uncomfortability with your spouse, I want you to be able to be able to talk. Like, let's say, I don't know, there's a guy in the marriage who drinks too much. And the wife knows the guy drinks too much, but is afraid of either speaking into that or just afraid that he's going to die because he drinks too much. Not that Di and I know anything about that over her 26 years marriage. But there was a point where I was drinking so much and she was terrified of my drinking. A couple different ways. One is that the the drinking was going to just wreck the marriage. And let me tell you, it almost did. So her fear was absolutely 100% correct. And she was also afraid just to say, hey, you're a drunk and you need to sober up. So that was a big fear that she had to share. And so... That was also also an opposition for the record. So she had to come to the table a couple times, oppositionally, and go, yo, you drink too much. Oh, I don't drink too much. Oh, stop counting my drinks. Oh, screw you. Screw you too. Uh, Right. So anyways, (laughs) by the time that I finally got conscious, or by the time that I really wanted to accept the fact that I was running from life in alcohol, her fear, right, aided into my recovery. Now, again, it was me that had to put the bottle down physically, but let me help you out. By her exposing her fear, not only of my drinking, but what what was happening in the marriage, it opened up my heart long enough to go, oh, holy shit, man, I need I need a revolutionary change in here. I need to get sober. So I'm giving you an extreme example, or maybe that's a normal example for you, depending on where you are in your marriage. But I'm just saying these intentional conversations in uncomfortable places need to happen. They need to happen. So I'm asking you to take advantage of the uncomfortable between the two of you and get your mouth working with your fear. Allow the talking in and around the personal. Allow the talking in and around the personal. For example, I work with you know some couples who who have issues in the bedroom, and most of it always revolves around either the frequency or the what type. And so one spouse will always be afraid to simply ask for what they want, or the other spouse will be afraid of what's about to be asked. And so no conversation will be had, and things will be super awkward. And so when those conversations are usually had, when we break down into the uncomfortable and talk, 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 what usually ends up happening, man, is a very vulnerable, wonderful space of agreement where they meet in the knowing on some common ground or a third way, if you will. So just remember that. Allow yourself to listen to what those fears are. Like if if somebody's sharing your fears, allow yourself to listen and not react because sometimes men will hear women's fears and we'll just want to go out and like, you know, okay, we'll fix it. I'll go build something right now that makes it okay. <laughs> right? Don't just simply react. Dudes, right? And women, you know, I'm not, again, I, I, I try not to be, you know, sexist. It's, it's good. You know, I, I, I understand that's how dudes usually are. It's how usually I am. But, you know, everybody needs to simply ingest what the words are coming in. So try not to react. Chances are you will. Chances are sometimes fear sharing will become an oppositional uh, kind of conversation, but you try the best you can to just make sure you're understanding it as fear, right? What are you hearing? Do you know your spouse's fears? When is the last time you asked your spouse what they're afraid of? Hey, what are you afraid of? What's going on? Like when like I go to work and I work 50 hours a week, are you afraid of anything I do at work? Are you, are, what's going on with the kids? Are, are you afraid with any, like, you know, our teenager, he's just starting to drive and yeah? Are you, are you afraid of anything there? Ask if you don't get it. Be vulnerable at the cost of being uncomfortable. Vulnerable at the cost of being uncomfortable. When you share fears, man, I'm telling you right now, you're going to be a little uncomfortable, but go for it. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about how your spouse takes your fears. What? Yeah, don't worry about it. That's not your job. It's none of your business how your spouse is going to take your fears. What are you talking about, Jared? It Sounds so backwards. Yes. But there's wisdom in here. Again, the wisdom is opening up your heart. Opening up your heart for your spouse to climb into yours and vice versa. And I'm not talking about it as a structure of strength because we look, we're going to let the divine be our structure of strength in the marriage. And we'll talk about that too. But I'm just simply talking about If you can't share your fear because you're afraid of how somebody else is going to take it, you might have a little codependent action going on, and that's not going to serve the marriage at all. What's going to serve the marriage is your vulnerability. What's going to serve the marriage is your honesty, your openness, and what's going to serve the marriage, hopefully, is the two of you serving each other in structures of love to dominate that fear. So don't worry about how they're going to take it. Don't do that. You know, don't do that. I know I've I've got uh, you know one uh, one conversation that's ongoing with a friend of mine that uh, he, he's just deathly afraid to tell his wife. Um, well, I won't tell that story. <laughs> I'll 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 put it this way: it could be that you're afraid to tell your wife certain things because there might be an overreaction, right? It could be. It could be, or it could be that you're afraid to tell your husband because there's going to be an overreaction. But again, that's not your business necessarily. Your business is to lay vulnerable and open. So your heart has a chance to be recognized, seen, and known. All right, good. (laughs) I almost got myself in trouble. (laughs) Uh, Clear your side of the street. This is the last one. And then we're going to, and then we're going to close out. Uh, Clear your side of the street of fear. So let's say you got a little shop, and your little shop's open, and you've got some boxes out front, like a New York City kind of a uh, a fruit stand, and and one's labeled fear, right? And you got a couple of those, and they're outside, and people are passing by, and it's a busy little street, and people are checking your fear out. But I want you to clear that fear. I want you to clear that old produce out. Listen to the tale I'm spinning here. I want you to clear your side of the street of the fear, meaning... In some ways, I want that known quantity to happen in the marriage. Now, again, you sharing your fears isn't you blaming your spouse. You sharing your fears isn't bringing up why he's or she's an asshole and this is what you need to correct. Sharing your fears is not finger pointing. Sharing your fears is not cheerleading for why they need to change. Sharing your fears isn't you proving or convincing why you're better than or why you're righter than. Sharing your fears is holding open to the idea that love dominate between the two of you. So the two of you can lean on one another in a healthy, strong marriage. So clear your side of the street. Clear your side of the street. Okay, so uh, next week we're going to be, next five weeks, remember we're going to talk about learning to love, learning to be married. Hey, by the way, learning to be married, for the record, we learn to drive, we learn to do everything. We go to school for 12 freaking years man to, to learn how to read write and all but the we nobody ever wants to learn to be married we need to learn to be married. Uh, we're going to talk about opposition and oppression, some more expectations, walking away from marriage, kids, faith, forgiveness uh, over the next five weeks. And again, Dai's is going to join me in a couple of these. Um, hey, listen, if you've got trouble right now in your marriage, I'm jr at jrman.com, jr at jrman.com. I'd love to help you and your spouse out. You can check me out at jrman.com and get all the information and stuff like that. I'm a spiritual director, and my job is... is Is wonderful. And I get to walk with people in season as we take the guesswork out of the divine movement that's already happening in you, love, and in some way do some connectivity to help you have nothing to prove and nothing to lose and help you definitely have a more undefended way of living. And when I say undefended way of living, it means that you're not always out there proving and convincing your value and your worth. Uh, I hope you stick around for the next five weeks. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors. Tell your neighbors. Well, that JR's got some kind of crazy, wicked little podcast you need to listen to. Um, And if you've got questions and concerns, again, email them into me, jr at jrman.com, and we'll put them on the big show. If you've got some big, heavy uh, stuff you just want to get off your chest and talk about, again, you know it's where to find me. I love you guys, and I really appreciate you being in on my passion. And next week, we will talk.